and amen. Well, I want to welcome everybody at the Bellingham campus, at the Ferndale campus, and those who are watching online as well. And we're going to do something in sync kind of with all of the campuses right now. We're actually going to turn around and shake hands, even though we're in different locations. So if you turn around and shake hands with three, four people you didn't drive here with, let's welcome each other to Christ the King. I'm glad that everybody has an opportunity to share in this moment, especially uh, all of our different campuses, because what we're going to talk about over the next couple of minutes actually affects every single person inside of this room. Transitions are never easy, especially when they involve people that we love. Pastor Sam has been my friend, my confidant, my lunch buddy. In fact, I would go so far as to call him my brother. Over the past five years, he's also been your worship pastor. And tonight we uh, are grieving and somewhat sad over the fact that God has called Sam to another opportunity in ministry. He's going to be missed in so many different ways, and I'd like to read you a portion of his letter Sam says, with a heart full of grateful emotion, I offer my resignation from Christ the King Community Church. It's been an honor to be on the pastoral team serving alongside of an incredible group of men and women who passionately love Jesus and relentlessly pursue His heart for the lost and broken of Whatcom County. It's been an honor to serve the volunteers of CTK. With a heart full of gratitude, I offer my thanks to a church body that has loved me, supported me, followed me, and at times carried me. When my family needed a family, the people of Christ the King stepped in to pray, shower us with love, and walk next to us through a difficult season. Once the difficulties were resolved and health was restored to my household, the church celebrated wildly along with us. My family's become a better family because of Christ the King. For the rest of my life and the rest of our children's lives, the story of this church's love and prayers will be gratefully told. While I'm very excited about a new chapter for myself, my ministry, my family, I can extend nothing but blessing and gratitude towards the staff, pastoral team, leadership, and the people that make CTK the church that it is. May thousands more come to know the joy of salvation and a purposeful life of discipleship in Whatcom County and beyond because of the faithful efforts of Christ the King Church. Your grateful servant and loyal friend, Sam. Pastor Sam is going to be joining the staff at Memorial Bible Church in Yakima, Washington. They're a part of the family. I don't really like them a whole lot right now, but they're part of the family. <laughs> Sam wanted to make sure everybody knew that he didn't go looking for this one. This one came looking for him. And so we have really only one appropriate response. We bless him. We love him. And I know that I can speak on behalf of everybody when I say, Sam, we love you.
So I have been over the past couple of weeks processing the calling out of a very good friend. And I'll be honest, I've had a bit of a hard time letting this one go. You know, it just seems one of those things where you just want to appeal. Say, come on, God, you can just change your mind, do something different. I mean, why would you call somebody out that we have a deep love for, and, and, and how in the world does that go together, and, and, and how do we release the future into God's capable hands? I thought about some of my options. I mean, I thought about just barricading the door with my body, but the thought of my small frame coming between Sam and anything actually was just kind of funny in my head. Um, you know, at some point, we're all called by God to release something. And I believe one of the hardest things for us to release is our whole lives into God's control because it's scary. I put this little thought in your outline. It goes like this. We fear releasing our lives to God because we fear a loss of control. I like being in control. I don't know about you, but I like being in control. I like all of my ducks in a row. I like my, I like my Christmas lights to have meticulous perfection up and down the sides of my house. I like to measure them. I like that because it's something that I can control because I like to control how they look. By the way, if your Christmas lights are crooked, you need to repent before Jesus and go home and make it right, okay? And I think, my opinion, if you have those messy icicle lights hanging from your house, I think you need to give your heart to Jesus, then repent for that because they're just wrong, all right, in so many ways. Just messy, Ugh, right? I'm going to get some letters on that one. All right. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at the Christmas story from what I hope is a new and fresh perspective. We're going to watch as God asks people to release a part of their life. We're going to be able to watch and get a front row seat. We're going to watch as God chooses to respond to every single time someone in the Christmas story releases something. We're going to get to watch this response. Every time they let something go, he comes nearer. We're actually going to start this weekend at the farthest point away from the manger, and we're going to work our way back towards the moment of the incarnation. You can't miss much of the Christmas part this year because we're not just doing the Christmas series during the weekend services. Part three of the, of, the, of the Christmas series is actually going to happen at Candlelight Communion. Part five is actually going to happen on Christmas Eve. Part six is going to happen the week after. We're going to work our way back towards the incarnation, and we're going to watch real people at the very first Christmas struggle with holding on to what they think is right and tidy and predictable, and then we're going to get that front row seat as they, as they release their grip on their life, and we're going to watch God get close. We're going to be challenged to release as well. And while this could be a little bit of a scary journey during Christmas, we're going to hold to this promise that if we draw near to God, He'll draw near to us. Several years after Jesus was born and His parents were living in a house, the Bible tells us that wise men, magi, scholars, astronomy experts came to Jerusalem looking for a king. Now, some of you didn't know that it was actually several years later that the wise men showed up. And you're freaking out right now because you think you have to run home, get your nativity set, and make it biblically correct, okay? You're totally fine with having the wise men at the manger. That's cool. Okay, just, just, just leave it alone, all right? It's a very cool story, and I'd like to read it to you in its entirety. The Bible says this. 
After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he'd called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied. For that is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make careful search for the child. As, you, as soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they'd heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they'd seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. I love these guys. I love their quest. I love that they followed, even though people must have been telling them, you're nuts. You're crazy. You don't chase a star. That just doesn't make any sense. There's so many other important things you could have been doing. I love the fact that they let it all go, and the result was they literally become a part of Christmas because of their quest. Let's example this, examine this simple truth I place it in your outline. It goes like this. A journey towards intimacy with God begins with a decision to release. Maybe you've heard this line before. If you want to get where you want to go, you have to leave where you presently are, right? It just makes sense. That's logical. You have to be willing to, to leave something behind if you're going to get something else in exchange that you desire. My prayer for our church this Christmas is that more than anything, you'll desire not to get caught up in all of the stuff the world says is cool about Christmas, but that instead you'll exchange that to get near to God. That your heart is to find, to go on a quest to find Christ in Christmas. Well, let's start with some of the releases that we find the wise men making. If you'd like to follow along in your outline, you can. The first one is a release of a season. The Bible said, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem and Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. I have no idea what the, the Magi were doing before they left on their quest, but I believe there's a critical point we can learn about their exit, and that's this. They had to give up their entire life to follow a star. They left their normal lives, their studies, maybe even their families to go on a quest, and they had absolutely no guarantee that they were going to be able to find anything. There was no guarantee the star was going to go to the right place. There was just nothing there. They let life go in order to find something far greater. So in light of that, I've got a question to ask everyone. What would it take for you to release your Christmas back to God before it even gets started. The Christmas season just started. So before you get all caught up in the stuff in the schedule, what would change if you prayed this prayer? Jesus, I want my Christmas to be all about you. I want to focus on you, pray to you, bring gifts of worship to you, and praise you. 
I want you to be my focus this year. Not MasterCard, not Visa, not Discover, not my grouchy mother-in-law, not just surviving through the 26th of December. No, I want you to be my sole focus this year. Whatever it takes to get near to you, that's what I'm willing to do. Every day we have an opportunity to release a season of our lives into God's care. A group of parents are actually going to do this Sunday afternoon at Christ the King. Those of you who've been around for a little while may have noticed that we've moved child dedications out of our weekend services. Our heart in doing that was because we wanted to do them better. Over the past couple of weeks, some parents who wanted to dedicate their children have been meeting in small groups under the leadership of Pastor Sean Cunningham. They've been learning about parent covenants. They've been hearing what God expects of them as a mother and a father. They've been learning about the role that God has for them and their families. And Sunday afternoon, in an act of dedication, their families, the parents and their child, their pastors and the elders of the church are going to gather around them and dedicate them as they've released a season of their lives to God in the quest of making Jesus the focal point of their family. It's going to be an amazing time. And if you have a little one and you'd like to dedicate them at some point, this is the new way we're doing it around here because that moment matters to God. And if it matters to God, it should matter to us. They released a whole season. The wise men released an entire season, and we can do the same with this blessed season if we choose to make our focal point drawing near to God, knowing that He'll draw near to us. Here's the second release. It's a release of worldly wisdom. In verse 2, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? I love the fact that the wise men are still asking questions. I mean, aren't wise men supposed to have all the answers? Well, apparently not, right? Apparently, wise men still seek and ask and question and query. And that goes against worldly wisdom. Worldly wisdom would have said this to them. You don't follow stars. You don't look for kings in small towns. You don't release your normal life and go on a prophetic goose chase. You just don't do that. That doesn't make any sense in the world's eyes. But these wise men, these wise men laid down conventional wisdom to find a spiritual truth. And here's why this matters to us. So this past week, December 1, I open up my calendar and look at everything I've got to do in the month of December. I go through it line by line in 30-minute blocks because that's the way I try to orchestrate my life. And when I get through my entire calendar, the question that keeps running through my brain is this. Where is he that is born King of the Jews? How about you? If I grabbed your calendar between now and December the 26th, how would you answer the question if I asked you, where is he that is born king of the Jews in your overcrowded life? If I flipped open your checkbook, yes, we just crossed from preaching to meddling, all right? And we went through all of the things that you're planning on purchasing over the next 20-some days. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? 
I mean, I had a lot of Christmas, but not much Jesus. And I don't think I'm alone because the truth is I watched some of you on Black Friday. I don't go to shop on Black Friday. I go to gather sermon illustrations. And you did not let me down. I watched some of you. Some of you who had the, the Christmas spirit, and the way you expressed that was by gathering your family at 0600 outside of Best Buy. And you handed your children, some of them small, maps of stores, coupons and rebate books, a small weapon with which they could knock down the old ladies to get to the front of the line. And you gave them instructions to not come back until they had every single thing on their list. I know who you are. You're the person who stands in the living room of your house as your kids, small children, are decorating the tree. And when the ball doesn't go in exactly the right place, you're the one that goes, hey, stop! Can't we just have a little Christmas joy around here? Everybody's getting upset about everything and that ball is in the wrong spot, so move it! You think I over-exaggerated? You ask your kids how you come across when you're decorating your tree, right? Your kids come to me for therapy. They're the ones who are up against the wall saying, don't move, they're gonna blow, right? See, there's that group of people. I call them the hyper-Christmas ones. And then there's the Christmas protesters. You're here tonight because one of those Christmas over-programmers dragged you here. And you're going to drag your feet all the way through the 26th. And to both of those groups of people and everybody else in the middle, I ask this question. Where is he who is born King of the Jews? I know we're all very, very busy, but where can you find Jesus in your busyness? Here's another release. It's a release of normal. In verse 2, towards the end, the Magi say, we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. This is what I love about these guys. They were actually looking for something different. I mean, apparently, a lot of other people missed the fact that there was a brand new star. They were so busy doing their stuff, working through their schedules, accomplishing everything that they thought they had to accomplish. It was, all had to be done, and they just simply missed that there was something new in the sky. And I'm amazed at how many times I miss out on God moments because I'm so busy looking down that I forget to look up. I look down at my calendar. I look down at my bank balance. I look down on people who don't see the beauty of perfectly aligned Christmas lights. I I look down on people who just don't get this season at all. Christ the King is a time for us to look up above the way we normally do Christmas and see if maybe God is doing something new. Pastor Brian is our youth pastor here. He told me very excitedly before we started tonight, they had a middle school all-nighter just this weekend. They went from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., they had more than 200 middle school students show up, and more than 20 young people gave their hearts to Jesus this weekend. Do you know what that means? That means God's doing something new. Are we too busy to even notice? I guess my question would be this. Are you looking for God in Christmas? Are you looking for for a place to 
to serve like Jesus, a place to give like Jesus? Are, are you looking for the incarnation? Are you just doing what you've always done? The wise men released normal, and they ended up in Christmas. Here's the next release. It was a release of the rule. In verses 3 through 8, we find the account of King Herod. My estimation, Herod is just an insecure, panic-driven leader. He's paranoid. And this paranoid ruler actually orders the massacre of thousands of Hebrew children in his quest to exterminate this new king before he can even be recognized. Get this picture. The king orders the magi to find the child and then report back to him so that he can go and worship him. I mean, I want us to understand what this means. In this culture, you obey the king. If the king says you better report back, you better report back. Because if you don't obey the king, you're dead. It's as simple as that. But the wise men break the rule that you always obey the king. Because at the end of the story, we find out that they don't go back. So what does that mean for us? What's the big deal about that? Well, let me ask this question. What Christmas rule are you willing to break this year? The world says, spend, 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 spend. Break the rule, church. The world says, do it all, and if you don't like it, just fake it. Break the rule, church. Do less. Become quiet. Schedule times to sit and reflect and worship and get near to God. Your family says, just keep the peace. Pretend there's no issues, right? We're all good. And just stay out of mom's way, right? Church, break the rule. Be real. Grow yourself some boundaries and help mom while you're praying for her. I mean, your own heart may be here tonight, at this particular time, and, and, and you're saying to yourself, you know what, it's just Christmas, man. It is what it is. Nothing's ever going to change. What would happen this year if we broke the rule of that belief and replaced it with faith and hope, a hope that says God may not be changing the people around, around me, but He's most certainly changing my heart. Here's the fourth release. It's a release of worship, one of the most profound Verse 9 says, after they'd heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they'd seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. I mean, I don't know how you picture this moment, but I picture it as an intensely beautiful time. Wise men, we have no idea how many there were. We assume three because there was three gifts. There could have been 15. We have no idea. Regal, wise, scholarly. And they show up in this house. And instead of walking in with this grandiose entrance, the Bible says that they actually bow. They humble themselves. They don't get bigger, they get smaller. That's a clue. And I picture them. I don't know exactly how the details happen, but I picture. Because Jesus would have been about that tall. They're about this low. And I just picture them kind of sliding their stuff across the floor. 
till it comes to rest at the feet of a toddler. First gift is gold, a gift befitting royalty, a gift for a king. Second gift, frankincense. You read your Bible, is used by a priest. A gift befitting a man who would stand before God the Father and sinful man and provide a covering for the sins of everybody. Merry Christmas. And then finally, myrrh. You know who you'd give myrrh to in Middle Eastern culture? A dead man. It was a burial spice. It was a funeral spice. That's what they wrapped bodies in. The Magi bring a funeral spice to a toddler because that toddler would grow into a man named Jesus who was sent here specifically as part of the incarnation to die on a cross so that you and I didn't have to. They worshiped. We're uncomfortable when there's adults on the stage worshiping. You ever tried to worship in front of a toddler? That's humbling. That's humbling. I hope we understand the picture. It's a picture of extravagant generosity. And it prompts a question. Christ the King, what gifts are you giving to Jesus this Christmas? I'm not talking about stuff. What gift of your own soul are you going to give to the one who came to set you free? Are you going to just sprint through Christmas again this year? Or are you going to choose to release the rat race and see just how low and quiet you can get? Because if you are willing to do that, do you understand that you will get the same payoff? You're going to get a face-to-face -face encounter with God himself. Because God will come near. What's the last one? It's a release of my plans. The Bible says they went home another way. Herod says, come this way. So these guys are smart. So I'm going the other way. You know, and it teaches us just a little tiny lesson. Again, you've heard me say it before. If you always do what you've always done, you're always going to have what you've always this isn't very biblically profound, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. If Christmas has never quite worked up to this point in your life, do you think maybe it's time to try something new? Right? Those of you that have a recovery background, you understand the definition of insanity that we use. It's doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, expecting different results. That's insane. Christ the King, is this the year when we actually learn this? That maybe it's not about more or bigger or better, that maybe it's about quieter and smaller and closer. The application question is there in your outline. If Christmas isn't working for you, is it time to find another way? So here's the truth as we begin to draw near. Whenever we release our hearts to God, the reward is a deeper intimacy with God. And that's the goal of this year, Christmas, Christ the King. Some of you would say, is that biblical? Is that idea biblical? It is according to James 4.8 because James 4.8 says this, draw near to God and He will 
draw near to you. So logical question as we close. How do I draw near? How do I do that? Well, it starts with giving Jesus back his birthday. It starts with finding God in these quiet moments when everything else can just kind of stay in the parking lot. It starts with keeping Jesus on your lips and on your list. It starts with knowing that the Prince of Peace is sponsoring Christmas again this year in Whatcom County and that the wonderful counselor would love nothing more than if his children would slow down and breathe. It starts with releasing your expectations, your perfectionism, your quest to get it all done and to exchange that for simply drawing near to God, knowing that if you do, He'll draw near to you. Last year, it felt like we kind of got ripped off Christmas. We lost two full weekends and Christmas Eve last year to wonderful weather. Yeehaw. My prayer is that we'll get to have all of Christmas this year. Whether we're here or sitting quietly in our car at a lunch hour or watching our kids enjoy the beauty of just being together or of walking into a room and being stunned by the color red which reminds us of the precious blood of Jesus. That's why He came. That we could find a, a God moment in the middle of a mall when we help somebody who just looks really tired. When we open up our Bibles once more and read the beautiful story of the incarnation, the time when God's people celebrate God came here. That God came near. So I'm going to pray every week that you'll be peaceful and quiet and not flustered and freaked out. That you will find joy in this season. That Christ will be your everything. Would you pray with me? Father God, we love you. We love you and we pray that as we go on this journey, as we follow you, God, that you bring us face to face with your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you that the wise men were wise enough to follow, wise enough to learn, wise enough to stop, wise enough to worship. So God, as, as we pair our hearts with theirs, and next week the shepherds, and the week after that with Joseph, and the week after that with Mary, and, and then with Jesus himself, I pray that we would find this place, to be a place of peace, of joy, 
of laughter and hope. I pray that it would be a place of worship. As we draw near to you, knowing that you will draw near to us. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him, Christ the Lord, for He alone is worthy. For He Pray these things in Jesus' good name. And all of God's people said, Amen.